Irma Bombeck once told the story of a little boy named Donald. Donald was getting ready to go to his first day ever of school. Never been before. It's going to be his first day. Stood up and he said to his mom, My name is Donald and I don't know anything. I have new underwear, a loose tooth, and I didn't sleep last night because I'm worried. What if a bell rings and a man yells, Where do you belong? And I don't know where I belong. What if the trays in the cafeteria are are too tall for me to reach? What if my loose tooth comes out when we have our heads down and we're supposed to be quiet? Am I just supposed to quietly bleed to death? What am I supposed to do? What if I splash water on my name tag and my name disappears and nobody knows who I am? What will I do? What will I do? You know, it really doesn't matter how old we are. If we are honest, we all have to admit that we get scared. We all have to admit that we get scared. Things happen in our lives that are unexpected, that are hard, that are impossible to explain. And you know how that makes you feel when that happens. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. But I get this feeling like I'm made out of warm jello inside. You know, just won't, you know, you know what I'm talking about? The insides, on the outside, you can be standing just like I'm standing right now. On the inside, you just feel like this is going on inside of you. Warm jello. Sometimes we get most afraid when nothing happens. We think maybe it should. We think maybe something could happen, but we don't know. We just don't know. So we sit and we worry, and like little Donald, we what-if ourselves absolutely into a tizzy. Sometimes we what-if ourselves absolutely into a full-blown meltdown. What if? I think I can safely say that a large number of people walk around every day afraid, and I certainly can say with confidence that every one of us in here has been afraid at some point And probably will be afraid again. So what are we supposed to do? In this world of fear, what are we supposed to do? We read the scripture earlier. I want to read it to you one more time from John 17. Get it fresh in your memory. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. And John, his brother, led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was... Transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. You ever had anything happen in your life that scared the living daylights out of you? threw your whole world into an uproar, absolutely scared you to death. That's what happened to to these three disciples that went up a mountain with Jesus. 
Peter, James, and John thought they were going to go off on a little kumbaya moment with Jesus, you know, a little close time with our bud. We're going to get to sit on the mountaintop, just the three of us with Jesus. We are some more special. This is going to be a fine retreat. We're going to get spiritually recharged. This is going to be cool. They hiked up this high mountain, expecting cool nights, warm days, beautiful sunrises, spectacular sun, sunsets. They thought that, uh, they expected that they'd have warm breezes and gorgeous views and vistas and quality time with Jesus. And maybe they got all of that. Maybe they did. But they certainly got something they didn't expect. They got to see something about Jesus that they'd never seen before. They got to see Jesus transfigured, changed, brighter than anything on earth could possibly be. And they saw him talking to two very famous men. It's just those two very famous men happened to be two very famous dead men. And then they got to hear the voice of God. This was a mountaintop experience, all right. Only it was a trifle more than they had signed on for. Notice in verse 6 how they reacted when they heard God's voice. It said, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and they were terrified. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what was going on. Never seen anything like this before. They didn't know what to do. We've had a lot of unexpected things happen in our lives like that, haven't we? Haven't you had things where one moment everything is normal and the next moment everything is coming apart? A loved one dies unexpectedly. You go to the doctor and you find out that things are worse than what you thought they were. You go to work in the morning just another day and you find out, way, I've been promoted. Way, I've been demoted. I've been transferred. In the world I used to come from, we've been surplused. Nice way of saying you've been laid off. Or maybe you've just been totally fired. Unexpected comes in all shapes and sizes. It comes with good events and bad events. You can never be sure which flavor you're going to get. But this much you can be sure about. Something is going to happen to you at some point that is going to put your life in such a place that you had nothing planned for it. You don't know how to get out of it. You don't know what to do. Life just quits making sense. And when that happens, you will find yourself anxious and afraid. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not sinful. It's how we're wired. It's how our our minds operate. What we need to know is how do you navigate when you get into those places? What do you do when you get into those places? Three disciples, they're involved in a good thing. God's using this transfiguration. That's what it's called, you know, the whole shooting match, Jesus getting bright, two dead guys coming down, God's presence coming down, the voice from the sky. That's the transfiguration. God's using that to teach the disciples and us who Jesus is. Look at verse 5 and you hear God say, he was still speaking when, Peter was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. What is he saying? God is saying that Jesus is his son. I hope, I mean, I've, before I stood up here, I've got this in my mind. It's strange. In my mind, this is what you've got to preach, Randy. This is the message that's here, but I'm doing something else in the background. And this just keeps, if you haven't seen this morning the fact that Jesus is the son of God who changes lives, please wake up and come to the service. 
God changes lives. And Jesus is standing there with his father saying that this is my son. It is not a figure of speech. It is not mythology. It is not a fable. I don't know how many of you read the Macon Telegraph. Bill Cummings has his article on Sunday morning. He is a very liberal Catholic. He believes that a lot of what we read in the scripture is mythology. That's okay. Believe what you want to. Some people believe that. Randy doesn't believe that. But I can tell you this for an absolute fact. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. It is truth, pure and simple. He is the son of God and he is active in our lives right this moment. Not later, not out yonder, right this minute. He's active in our lives. God is teaching them that Jesus is the way that God is going to communicate with you boys now. This is the way we're going to do it. We had the law and the prophets show up. We had Moses. What did he bring? He brought the Ten Commandments. He brought the law. We had Elijah, who was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, told the people what they were doing wrong, that God said they should change. Told the people what God wanted from them, the way that they should go. And then... And then with Jesus there, and those two guys are there, and then they're gone. And now all we have is Jesus. The disciples saw them talking, all three of them. It scared them to death, and they fell down on their faces, terrified. But then we hear voice eight, verse 8. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. God is telling us with that, that the old way of trying to work your way into God's graces of doing things the right way, of keeping all the rules. Those days are gone, and now the way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. Now that's the story. That's the theology behind it. But you know how I like to look at things a little differently. What was going on? We talk about we want to follow Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. Well, how did Jesus handle this situation where these guys are scared to death how did he handle this situation? What did he do to help the disciples live through a fearful situation? Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. Wouldn't you be a little confused? I mean, just think, when we've gone in to get called in, I got called into an office one time. There was, there was an investigation that was going on that concerned the department that I worked with. I walked into my third-level manager's office. I wasn't even a first-level manager at the time. I was like down here on the food chain. I wasn't even to the first level of the food chain yet. I worked in the mail room. I was a mail boy. Sorted mail, delivered the mail. That was what my job was. And I walk into the third level manager's office. He put his arm around me like he had known me all of my life. And he said to me, Randy, I just want you to know you're not in any trouble yet. <laughs> yet? Yet? What are you talking about yet? I can tell you I had not planned for that moment. I was not in any trouble, by the way. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe now, I don't know. But we get into those situations, they just happen to us. Just immediately, life jumps out in front of you and something happens that just confuses the dickens out of you. That's what happened to these guys. Why do you think Peter said what he said in verse 4? Peter was confused by what he was saying, seeing, and he was scared. But Peter was the kind of guy, and is this you? Peter's the kind of guy that when you get scared, you start talking. 
You don't necessarily say anything that makes a lick of sense to anybody. You just start talking. So here's Peter. Something big is happening. Now Peter's got to say something. And so Peter says, Jesus, if you want us to, we'll put up three tents. One for you and one for each of the dead guys. Think about it. I'm going to put up one for Moses and one for Elijah. These guys are dead, and I'm going to build a temple for them. Peter was overwhelmed like when we like we are when the unexpected happens to us and we don't know what to do. Of course, for the disciples, when God speaks, it overshadows everything. In verse 5, we hear, in essence, that while Peter was babbling, God interrupted him. Now, I've been interrupted by some pretty important people in my life, but I imagine Peter could brag for a while. He says, you know, I was talking, and guess who interrupted me? God interrupted me. Three disciples fell on their faces in terror when God spoke. I look at this and I think of us when we are emotionally overloaded by the events in our lives, we become paralyzed. And you know what I'm talking about. In times like the disciples are having, we say things like, I don't know whether I'm coming or I'm going. Can't think straight. We're moody, angry, we cry, we laugh at inappropriate moments, we say ridiculous things. It's like we're teetering on the edge of insanity. Have you ever felt that way? Or maybe I'm the only one that needs to go see the shrink, you know? But I have a feeling we've all been there at some point with something that happened so tragic in our lives that we're on that brink of insanity. We just don't know. And it's times like these that Jesus comes to us. Notice what Jesus did for these three disciples to calm their fears and help them to get it together. Verse 7 says, But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear they stand up they find out it's all over two dead guys are gone God's presence is lifted and gone away it's just them and Jesus again when we are overcome by fear when we're in situations where we are overcome by emotions and we are absolutely paralyzed the first thing we need to do is look up and see Jesus Now, I know right off the top of my bat, right off the top of the bat, you're going to say to yourself, Randy, that's easy to say. I know it's easy to say. Piece of cake to say it. I got three points here. Easy for me to say. Hard to do. But the thing we have to remember is God is there with us. Jesus is going to draw alongside of us. Our part in this is to look up and see him. Look up and see him coming to us. Not in a literal sense. If you look up and see him literally... That could be an interesting moment. What I'm talking about is you will see his presence. You'll see his presence in the face of a friend or the presence of a pastor or a phone call or a verse of scripture or a prayer. We start looking for Jesus and we start seeing Jesus all around us in moments like that. Giving us a sense that God is with us. One of the things that we've learned over and over again in our one big story study is that what God promises us more than anything on this earth is that I will be with you. His name was Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. The first thing we have to do is look up and see that Jesus is there. When we are afraid, God comes to us. And what does his voice say to us? It tells us to get up and look around. It says to us, is this situation something that I can't handle? Is this situation too big for me? Do you really think for a New York minute... 
that this is something that's totally beyond my control? Really? That's what he's asking us. Have you such a small God in your mind that whatever situation you're in is too big for him to handle? Well, it's my situation and he may not handle it. Really? Who did he come for? I came for that everybody would be saved. He's asking us, he's telling us, look up and recognize that I have got this under control. When Jesus told the disciples to get up and they did, they immediately recognized the fact that Jesus was in control. And if Jesus is in control, it's going to turn out okay. It might take a while. He's taken it somewhere. But it's going to turn out okay. Second thing we need to do when we're afraid comes from verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, it makes me want to sing, you know. They'll be coming around. I don't know why. It just has a cadence to it. Sounds a little bit inconsequential, but think about it. Jesus simply took them down the mountain. It sounds like no big deal, really. I mean, you can't stay on the mountaintop forever. You've got to have food. You've got to have water. They couldn't stay up, stand up there forever. But it sort of struck me that as soon as this was over, Jesus got them on their feet and got them to moving back towards their normal life. You know, what they could have done was just sit down and had a little kumbaya moment, you know? Start sorting this thing out. We've got to think about this. We've got to meditate on this. We've got to cogitate, contemplate. We've got to reflect. Whatever you want to call it, we do that, don't we? We do that. I had a situation that happened recently where I'm sitting down and caught myself sitting there for an hour thinking this thing over and over and over and over again. Couldn't settle anything. Nothing could be settled in the situation at all. But I'm sitting there contemplating, thinking about it. You know what? Didn't do any good. Made me a little nervous. Made me a little worried. Didn't do a bit of good. Couldn't change a thing. Just like we do. We sit, we think, we play the scene over and over in our minds. Man, I know I'm speaking to you. Play those pictures over and over and over play those conversations over and over and over don't you don't you do that man let somebody hurt your feelings and how many times do you hear that conversation go on in your head or when a situation gets out of control and somebody's really, really sick and you hear the doctor say, oh, to hear the doctor say, you know, they may not make it. And that's all you hear. And they play it over and over and over in your mind till you are totally immobilized. Second step of overcoming that, once we realize that Jesus is in control, it's time to get up and get back to work. It's time to get up and get moving again. God's in control. Get back into life. I heard the story. I put on here, I heard the story because I'm trying to hide it just a little bit. I didn't hear the story. I lived the story. This is a real story in my life. This lady went to the doctor. Doctor told her that she could die any minute. Now help me understand. If your doctor walked up to you and said, you're going to die any minute. I don't know. Nothing we can do to help you. Nothing we can do to save you. You're just going to die at some point. And nothing we can do. This person took the news pretty hard. They went home. This lady went home. She went and 
got into her bed, and that's where she stayed. And she stayed in the bed until she died, just like the doctor told her that she would. Stayed in that bed. Yes, she did. Mm -hmm. Stayed in that bed. Every stinking day that came, she stayed in that bed. She woke up thinking about death. She thought about death all day long. She thought about, am I going to die before lunch? Am I going to die before supper? Am I going to die before I go to sleep tonight? Am I going to die in my sleep? Am I going to die before breakfast in the morning? That's all she thought about is when she was going to die. She laid in that bed and she waited for death and she missed out on what was going on in the world around her. She missed her grandchildren growing up. She missed out on being a part of the church that she loved so much that she had grown up in. She missed out on all the things that happened at that church. Every day she woke up and greeted the new day with this thought. Will today be the day that I die? And she did that until she died. She did it for 7,300 days. 20 years it took this woman to die. 7,300 days talking about being paralyzed. And in that 7,300 days, she never remembered that the Jesus she had taught in Sunday school was trustworthy to be with her and take care of things until her time actually did come. She never trusted him enough to have control of life enough that she could live her life. For 20 years, she laid there. And she died in her 80s. Frozen. God tells us that when we're afraid to look up and realize that he is in control and that and then we get up and we get back into the business that he created for. And finally, look at verse 9 again. It said, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. What Jesus intends is for the disciples to give this event some time to sink in a little bit. To see how it fits in with the rest of the story so they can truly understand what it all means. A lot of times, you know, we'll stand up and talk about the things that God's doing when God is actually doing something else. You know, we think we've got this thing nailed, but he's over here doing something completely different. One of my seminary professors said, and you've heard it before, and you're going to hear it over and over and over again, God's will can only be understood in retrospect. Yes, we can know the next step to, to take. Yes, we can know how our lives are to be lived. But when we look back, it's when we see God's hand working in our lives and how he's gotten us to where we are right this moment. God works in history and time. His mind is too big, too great for us to understand each and everything he is doing at exactly the instant he does it. So he tells us to wait, to reflect on what's happened so we can see where he was in it. Don't be hasty to tell everybody why God did such and so in your life. Remember Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am the Lord, that I am God. There's something to be said for that. Be still and reflect and over time with some reflection on our lives, we can see how God has worked in our lives over time. 
When each one of the disciples left the mountain that day, they all went right back to doing the things that they'd been doing all along. They went right back to their lives. But when Jesus was crucified and resurrected, when they saw the power of God at work and they looked back and they remembered this event, you could not shut them up. They talked and told and told and talked and they told the story so much that now that story is all the way around the world. Once they understood. We tend to look at fear as a bad thing. And I don't go looking for fear. I don't, I don't particularly care for it. But life is full of hard times. And often those hard times bring fear with it. But with Christ, instead of fear shutting us down for 20 years, like this lady was shut down, he frees us to live a new life. We find ourselves being drawn closer and closer and closer to him we look for him and we find that he's right there Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior is right there let us pray Father I pray this morning through the feebleness of my words that you'll take your words and, and impress them on our hearts Father, I don't know what you're doing in this house this morning. I don't know who needs to hear what or see what. But I believe with all of my heart that you're here. I believe with all of my heart. I know that you've already touched me. And I pray that you touch everybody in this house. I know that you're speaking to people to remind us even scares me a little bit, Father, to pray about fear. Like we jinx ourselves and make something happen. We live in a world full of fear. In that moment, help us, Father, to not be fearful. To look up and find you in our fear. To go about our lives as you tell us to. To know that you love us. Help us to see that. Father, I fully suspect that there are those in this congregation this morning that haven't thought back on their lives in a long, long time. I pray, Father, this morning you cause them to reflect and that they're surprised by the fact of where they've been, where they've come to, and how you brought them there. May your name be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.